The Athletic. Totally Football League show. Corner flag JPEGs at the ready at Reading. Mitrovic equals a record. Cherries pick a late win as Bournemouth best Blackpool. Outfield player in goal Claxon at the City Ground. Alex Neal earns a point in his first game as Sunderland gaffer. And in League Two, there's fighting talk from the Bantam's boss. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Here we are then, gang, gathered on Valentine's Day, despite the fact that all the cards in the EFL were dished out over the weekend. Uh, it's an esteemed panel today. Between us, we've amassed nearly 1,500 senior appearances for various clubs. No need to work out how many of those were by me, Matt. Uh, Joby McEnough's back with us. Hi, Joby. How you doing, Matt? You all right, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, Adrian Clark's also along for the ride. Hello. And Super Sammy Parkin. Hi, Sam. Morning, Matthew. All right, let's get straight to the championship, shall we? The headlines in the championship. Tennis balls at Birmingham. Unhappy anniversaries at Reading. Protests at both. A Bournemouth late fight back at Blackpool. Keeps them six points behind Fulham as both win. Borough are back in the playoffs after another home victory. Barnsley won a game. And Joe Worrell goes in goal for Forrest. We're going to start at the Riverside where Middlesbrough are back in the playoff places after extending their winning sequence at home to six games as they saw off Derby with the aid of a couple of deflections. Uh, Adrian, maybe not quite as comfortable as the, the scoreline would suggest here. Bit of luck about this result. Well, there was certainly a bit of luck with the big decision of the game, wasn't there? With, with, with Matt Crooks steaming into that challenge. Um, I, I think if VAR existed in the Championship and they looked at that, with the studs up, he would have gone. No, no doubt about that. So, so yeah, they got away with that one. But it's another good performance. They're racking them up, aren't they, Middlesbrough at the Riverside? It's becoming a quite hard place to go again. And yeah, a number of sort of notable performances. Um, I'll start up top, which is interesting because he went with Connolly and, and Balligan, didn't he? And it, it's really interesting because at Sheffield United, if you cast your mind back. He pretty much kept the same team every week, except for the strikers. He'd rotate the front two and keep the partnerships of the other units intact where possible. And that's what he's doing now at Middlesbrough. He's keeping the same you know, back three, same midfield, but the two up top are rotating and it's just freshening things up and, and getting them to, to bust their gut basically every time they go out there and play because they might not get a game um, the following week. And uh, I think that really stood out. The other, the other, the other display that that you have to talk about is that is a right wing back. Wow, Isaiah uh, Jones, just an awesome display. Three assists, really, because it was his his cross for the own goal. I just love his decision making. Whenever he gets in that final third, he's got his head up. He puts it into the right areas. Really, looks a really, really good player, Matt. And um, and it does explain, doesn't it, why why they let Jed Spence stay. Stay at Nottingham Forest. So, so not just for your benefit, but for the listeners' benefit. I've 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 checked out the stats. I've I've looked into this. I've got a tail of the tape here. Isaiah Jones v Jed Spence. I won't bore you with too many numbers, but assists per ninety, he wins hands down. This is Isaiah Jones. Uh, chances created per ninety, double. Big chances created per ninety. Thrashes Jed Spence. Passes played into the box per 90, almost double. Dribbles completed, more. Shots per 90, more. Tackles one per 90, more. 
possession one per 90 more. The only thing he doesn't win on is his interceptions per 90. So Isaiah Jones is a player because Jed Spence has been sensational for Nottingham Forest, but he can't live with the Borough right back when it comes to, to the data, at least this season. It's It's been a, a wonderful rise. Data's lovely, JB, but when I go and watch Jed Spence live, when he picks up the ball and goes on one of those runs, I go, huh, and my heart jumps up into my chest <laughs> a little bit more. Who does it for you, Jones or Spence? You know what? It's really interesting because I did exactly the same as Clarkey because I think without having stats to hand, I would probably have gone for Jed Spence, I've got to be honest, in terms of the games that I've seen him and the impact he makes on the overall game. But when you look at the numbers, that if you're going to take one, it's Isaiah Jones all day long because he has still that effect on the game. He, he excites me, he gets on the ball, he makes things happen. But really, when push comes to shove, you have to have those numbers to back it up. I'm not for a second saying Jed Spence hasn't been magnificent this season. I think the happiest person and or club is obviously Middlesbrough because they've got both of them. So, um, you know, they're certainly in a good position. But two fantastic young Players we speak about all the time, you know, the EFL developing players that for me both will go on and, and play in the Premier League, certainly, and, and have really, really good careers at, at the top level. Uh, yeah, David Ornstein reporting in his Monday column for The Athletic, by the way, that Jamaica are trying to get Jed Spence to uh, to switch to them for, for international football. Uh, one of those games for Derby, I think, Sam, I'm, I'm sure they they won't put too much um, too much stock in this defeat, even though obviously they need every point that they can get. Did you see the kid running onto the pitch in a Man United shirt to get a selfie with <laughs> Wayne Rooney? I mean, like, yeah. part of me thinks, oh, that's quite sweet. And part of me thinks this kind of thing was sweet you know, six months ago when it started, but now we need to start handing out lifetime bans to eight-year-olds if necessary. <laughs> I had to d- double take uh, at the scoreline, thinking the 3-1 down and Wayne Rooney still just about managed to smile, which I thought was quite interesting considering the predicament his side were in right there. Yeah, I suppose they have to improve away. I think they've won, you know, six of their, their eight wins this season have come at home. So... They need to improve. And interestingly, he took responsibility for, for the setup, tried to um, outthink Chris Wilder by, by leaving a couple of players up the pitch in, in tandem. And, and maybe that's why they got cut open a little bit um, by, by Middlesbrough's forward players, as Clarkey says. You know, that's some firepower that they've got there now. Um, that would have been a heavy investment, I would suggest, Connolly and, and Balogun. Uh, to try and get them scoring goals. And that's something that they've struggled to do. I think that's the first time they've scored more than two this season. So a brilliant day for for Chris Wilder uh, and his team because that looked like it was going to maybe be the Achilles heel, the, the lack of putting games to bed and, and outscoring opponents. That's definitely something they've overcome now. Joby? I just wanted to pick up on that point, Sam, because I saw exactly the same um, comments by Rooney and is it a change in mentality now? They've been so long, you know, so far adrift and just not losing and, and being hard to defeat has been their big focus. And I think now that it's within touch and distance, is there that shift in mentality of we, we, we've we got to do something else to win games now rather than maybe going with that same mentality and keep nicking results? Because let's be honest, that's what they've done and they've been brilliant at doing that. So it's a slightly different twist on things now, the fact that they are that close to potentially pulling off an unbelievable achievement and how that might play between now and the end of the season, really. It would seem strange to, I don't know, make that decision now when they, they've still got a great chance of getting out of it. If you need snookers, 
then you start playing the three up front or taking big risks. But because they've been going so well, it's probably why he's come out and said, do you know what? I maybe got this tactically wrong because a point at Middlesbrough is fantastic to keep them on the run they're on. Could it be a trust issue with the personnel? Because he lost Jagielka and I think that Jagielka was a really, really key man for them. Not saying that that the guys that are there at the moment aren't aren't good players, because they are. I think Buchanan played centre-half the other day, didn't he? Stearman's played there as well. It's But they're not Jagielka, and, and they, they had a good thing going, didn't he, with Curtis Davis. Maybe they feel they're less likely to keep a clean sheet playing the way they were you know, at the moment. So that, that might be the issue. But I'm with you guys. I think they should probably stick to what's worked so well for them until now. Well, there was some good news for Derby before the game. They and Borough have reached a resolution. You remember Borough were looking for, for compensation. So that, that is a, a significant hurdle that Derby have overcome. They've just got to sort things out with Wickham now and then hopefully their takeover can take place. Uh, let's go to the coast then. Bournemouth staying just about within touching distance of leaders Fulham after they waited until the very end to snatch victory at Blackpool. Uh, it was good for Dom Solanke in particular, Sam, because it meant we don't have to talk much about that <laughs> dreadful penalty. Yeah, it was woeful, wasn't it? Um, he's been he's been in brilliant form. That was 20 goals for the season, I think, his uh, goal against Birmingham uh, put him to, to that point. So he, he's been exceptional. I just felt, yeah, Bournemouth have got an amazing squad now. They've done brilliant business. But I think the two players that were missing at the weekend, Christie had his best game, I felt, in a, in a Bournemouth shirt against Birmingham. And Kiefer Moore, obviously, out for a long period. Those are two guys that can come in and, and certainly have a great effect and probably would have impacted this game in terms of where it went wrong. I think that um, Anthony playing on the right-hand side was nowhere near the same threat that he is on the left when he combines with uh, Zamora. And of course, Kiefer Moore, whether he would have started is a, is a question mark, but Dom Solanke was a bit isolated in this game. He's a brilliant option to throw on uh, for Solanke or even I think Solanke could play as a number 10. I think he's, he's that good a footballer now. So that's something that possibly Scott Parker will look at moving forward. But the long and short of it was Blackpool were on a brilliant run and Bournemouth have managed to get three points without being at their best. And in the first half against Birmingham, they were excellent. So I wouldn't get too concerned about the the level of performance. I'd more say that Blackpool are in a great moment, Matt. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, just to, just to flesh out what Sam was saying there, if you missed it, Kiefer Moore, broken foot, he'll be out for eight to ten weeks, so they'll be looking to get much out of him for the rest of the season. But the Siriki Dembele signing, Joby, looks as though it uh, paid immediate dividends. He, he got the late winner. We were wondering whether he might be the man to keep Posh up, might be the man to take Bournemouth up. Yeah, I think one of a number of, you know, fantastic signings. And I think that one was probably, I think after getting Cantwell, I certainly looked at the squad and I thought, right, where's he going to fit everybody in now? You know, I think, you know, he's gone massive. They've backed him, you know, hugely in the in the window. He certainly felt they needed an injection. Whether he thought he was going to get an injection of, of those proportions, I don't know. What he has got is brilliant, brilliant options now, particularly in those attacking areas, I think. There has been an over-reliance, certainly on Dom Solanke this season. You know, Phil Billings chipped in with a few goals, but certainly when you look again at the numbers in that area, they do need a bit of a boost. And I think Dembele coming in, also the options they've got off the bench, Mark Ondes comes on and has a, a role in a goal. Um, I think certainly Jamal Lowe coming on again. You know, players that most other championship teams 
they're going to be going and playing games and starting games regularly. So I think for Bournemouth to have that, certainly that firepower and those options off the bench. I think the biggest thing from the Blackpool win was probably Sam touched on it, just actually getting a result. You know, it was windy, horrible looking afternoon up there like it can be. Um, I've certainly experienced a few of them in my days. And I think that's probably for Bournemouth, that's the type of result that's going to get you over the line. We know they've got quality. You know, we know they're going to blow teams away at times, even though they haven't been in great form. Can they go and win ugly and, and get those points that for me, these are the wins that get you in that automatic spot. Sam? A point that I forgot to maybe put to the lads. Um, I thought the first Bournemouth goal was maybe an own goal. Um, I haven't looked back at it loads of times, but I think maybe the defender gets the touch in front of Jamal Lowe. And the second one, I don't think Dembele knows what he's doing on his weaker foot. <laughs> I think he struck that goalwards and it looks like he's beautifully disguised that into the near Trying post. Trying to give so, the keeper the eyes. Yeah, I don't think he has. I think there's great fortune. Uh, behind both That's those harsh. goals. That is harsh. But you could be right. You could be right. <laughs> I, was, I thought it was the coolest finish you've ever seen. Do you know what I mean? On a, a pretty muddy pitch, but you might be right. It might have been is an it, absolute fluke. The main it angle... It was very unlucky on Blackpool, wasn't it? That that equaliser with the way the cross deflected. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, th- I think from Blackpool's point of view, no shame in this. They were very unlucky not to not to win. And yeah, they, they had to mix things up. I think they had five changes New midfield, Callum Connolly alongside Kevin Stewart. And they held their own. They really did against an excellent team. And, and obviously, Bowler, we, we yeah, run out of things to say about him. But that was that was a superb goal. Um, he's another one. <laughs> but like those two right backs that you think, well, yeah, next year or within the next two years, he'll, he'll be in the Premier League. It's a bit, there's a bit of the Jared Bowen, isn't there, about, about Josh Bowler. And uh, we've seen what he's doing in the Premier League at the moment. Big win for Bournemouth uh, ahead of a big game in the Championship tonight that Clarkie will be at between West Bromwich Albion and Blackburn. Bournemouth, after that mini-wobble, won three on the bounce, but they face the unstoppable force of Nottingham Forest next, and that's who we're going to talk about next. Forest and Stoke sharing the points at the City Ground, a game with an eventful end, which saw Joe Worrell, the Forest captain, finishing goal after Bree Sandberg crossed the line from eccentric to dunderhead. Um, what was he thinking, JB? I mean, it, it lacks subtlety, if I'm putting it mildly. Gosh, absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, I just think when I look at incidents like that, there is no reasoning. There's no like, thought behind it, clearly. It's just a, a stupid act, really. And it's not as if, you know, we see some keepers getting smashed and then they get up and they have a little reaction. Jack Elka's brushed past him at best. And actually, so he did something similar recently when they conceded a goal and the ball was in the back of the net and he's almost lashed out and got away with one. That's right. Um, I think he only got a booking for that. So again, there is a track record there and it's just silly. It's just not what you need. Certainly at that point in time, of course, no other options, but Joe Worrell to go and go, which is always comedy gold, really. Um, I think obviously Lewis Baker steps up and sticks it away. I don't think most keepers would have got to that, to be fair. But yeah, just... I think just took the edge off, you know, certainly where they've been at, you know, a good game, two teams that play good football. Um, both managers disappointed not to get anything, but certainly that was the talking point. I think just, you know, another little note, Ryan Yates, who's played a lot of football uh, this season, who was actually on the bench, comes on and, and gets a goal in the last minute to get a point. I think that to me shows the togetherness in that squad, shows the belief, the fact that everyone is fighting together and you know probably a point that doesn't help either massively but certainly for Forest keeps their their real good form going under Steve Cooper 
Yeah, at the end of a big week too, those those three games against Leicester, Blackburn and, and Stoke, they'll, they'll be grateful of a, a free midweek this time round. Sam, a brief word from you, if you will, on, on Lewis Baker, somebody who we watched a lot in the, the Chelsea under-21s, under-23s, etc. Perennial low knee, but he seems to have really found a home at Stoke. Absolutely. It's been an amazing start for him. He's playing as a sitting midfielder in the, the PL2 early part of this, this season. Uh, it got the odd penalty, funnily enough, but it, it's great to see him playing in a bit more of an advanced position. And I'm glad you've asked me this because his performance was outstanding. Highest pass completion, 92% of any player. And he, he certainly wasn't hiding in most passes of any midfield or forward player. Just, I think, Ben Wilmot that had more touches on the ball than him as well. So he's becoming a big player for Stoke, you know, straight away. And you know, I spoke to John Harley about Lewis Baker, who's the uh, under-23s assistant at Chelsea early part of the season. And he spoke so highly about his attitude, but also said that Lewis Baker was a player that still believed he should be playing in the Premier League, which I thought was really interesting considering where his career is maybe drifted to the last few years to, to still have that confidence that he can do it clearly got amazing ability um, now given a platform uh, in a in a really good youthful looking Stoke attack now you know that's what Michael O'Neill's done really well there brought the, the average age down tough job I think but I thought that was a performance to have a lot of optimism about them collectively moving forward not this season but next season I think they could be a real force Sam just touching on that knowledge probably a little bit better in terms of the player himself obviously I've seen him he's been out on loads of loans you know here there and everywhere what was it do you think that kept him at Chelsea other than probably a very lucrative contract but surely you get to a point at 22 23 24 you realize you're not going to break into that team and you know you have to move on permanently to really kick on in your career what do you think it is that just kept him there as long clearly his ability has never been in question um, but just that reluctance maybe to go and take the plunge like he has done now. Maybe some, I don't know, some something contractual, getting the right price for him, I would say. And after having a couple of really fruitful loans, I don't think the the last one or two maybe went as well. And then I think it was just a, it was just a case of not being able to get him a move before the the window. I think they tried. I think he wanted to 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 get that opportunity to go, but they they just ran out of time. So he was a victim of circumstance really this year. Uh, but what he did do, and, and me and Matt would both say, was he didn't sulk. I mean, it's I think it's difficult for a 19, 20 year olds when they've played first team games to go back into development football. But I mean, he's um, you know well beyond that now. But his his attitude was exemplary and he, he really led. So I think it's 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 about time that he's playing at a decent level and, and doing well. Yeah, it's great, it's great to see. I think Stoke are good to watch at the moment as well. Really, really much improved. Great window, Not, didn't they? Yeah, 19 shots to 11 in the game. We've seen how hard Forest are to play against at the, at the city ground. Had a lot of the ball. Great window, wasn't it? Excellent recruitment. Not just Baker, of course, but Jagielka, Magia, uh, Philogene, Bedace, like he was bright again. I had a look actually at their shot count because 19 stood out for me at, at the city ground. So I sort of dug a little bit deeper. Five of their top eight shot counts for the season so far have come in the last six games. So they have turned that switch. Sometimes it happens. It, sometimes it needs that influx of new faces, maybe a bit more energy, maybe a Lewis Baker just to be that driving force in the heart of the midfield. But suddenly they're converting possession 
into good opportunities. So yeah, I think I think the the latter part of the season could be quite exciting for Stoke City. They they might have a late push. Exciting for Stoke City, not so much for Reading. We'll talk about them next. We all enjoy the sport we call the beautiful game. But since I've retired, I've discovered an ugly, even darker side to the sport we love. Join me as Jamie Redknapp investigates. Thanks, Jamie. We'll take it from here. Join Jamie Redknapp for Jamie Investigates, the football mockumentary series. Watch on Paddy Power's Twitter. This week, Jamie Investigates, Twitter trolls. Do you know the truth? Paddy Power. 18 plus, becomeaware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Joby McInerf, Adrian Clark, and Sam Parkin with me, Matt. Let's talk more championship then. And woe, thy name is Reading. They endured the worst Royals party since Prince Andrew at Pizza Express on Saturday. As Paunovic's pals attempted to celebrate the club's 150th anniversary, only for protests and footballing incompetence to get in the way. Um, Clarky, if you looked on Twitter this morning, you would have seen everybody uh, supposedly ITK saying that Velko Panovic <laughs> will get sacked at some point today. That that's some point for us now is 26 minutes past one. It hasn't happened so far, but as long as they can afford to do it, it, it feels like an inevitability now, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I, I thought he did really well last season, so, so it is a shame that it's sort of come to this, but results are, are what you're paid to get as as the gaffer and and he's he, it's been a string of really really bad results they're not really learning from their mistakes defensively either are they and uh yeah they just feel, it feels like they're going to get swallowed up by by derby county it feels like they're on their way down so so even though i think he's a pretty good manager even though he's had his two best forwards out for most of this season so therefore been really unlucky it does feel like a change is, is needed there. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, not a high quality game, this one. There's a lot of bad play. Um, some good play as well. So a really good, yeah, great run, wasn't it, by Mate towards the end. Should have um, should have been finished off by, by Tom Ince. But yeah, in general, Reading are all over the place. That zonal marking for the for the Coventry goal from the corner. Wow. I mean, that is... That is how to undo zonal marking from Coventry's point of view. But I mean, someone has got to take a little bit of responsibility there. He's made a just made a run across five or six players to head it in. Michael Rose. It, it looked great, but it's horrendous defending, and and yeah, ultimately they just don't look that organised. Sixteen goals they conceded from set pieces now, the, the worst in the division. And I hope I read this right as well. They conceded thirty-four goals at home which is 14 worse than the next um, <laughs> shower. Cardiff have conceded 20 at home. So, I mean, that's just the in- incredible numbers. And I saw the first game of this this run, the 7-0, 7-0? Home defeat against Fulham. And I turned on the, the local station on the way home expecting to hear the news that he's that he's been sacked. Um, that was on the back of the Kidderminster defeat and he's he's racked up another six defeats. So, I mean, he, he speaks really well and I even liked his defiance uh, post-match uh, the other day, but, you know, something's got to give now. Because you look at that side as well, with them everyone back, I'm scratching my head. Two midfield players were great last year, two full-backs, high calibre, Morrison and uh, McIntyre on their day, very good championship defenders, got the forward players back. So... 
something's going amiss. JB, the former Reading midfielder, wipe that tear from your eye and give us your opinion. <laughs> yeah, just really disappointing to see the club in the state that it's in. And I, and I mean that as a football club, not just on the football pitch. And there's been a lot of discontent with how the club's being run. You know, we've seen huge debts racked up off the pitch and there is concern certainly among the fan bases where that ends up, particularly if a relegation happens and, and the club's now that further away from Premier League dream that the owners seem to have. Um, it goes to show that just throwing money at clubs is not always effective. It's how you channel that money and, and the organisational structure behind um, the whole football club. I've got a lot of sympathy for Velko Panovic, I've got to be honest. like He's had a lot to deal with with those off-field issues, obviously the points deduction, injuries to real key players. But I have to go back to Sam's point now. When you look at the team and the squad that he's got to put out, they have to be starting to get results. And I'm never, ever one to be calling for managers' heads. Certainly not. But it just feels to me, and I've been in dressing rooms where you cannot buy a win. You cannot see where a win's coming from. And sometimes just that change. And unfortunately, it's the manager that has to suffer that. But, you know, it might be somebody from within, you know, coming to take over in the short term and just give the place a bit of life, a bit of energy, a bit of positivity that I think the players are crying out for. I think the fans are crying out for it as well. And if I'm being really honest, I think Velko Panovic is as well. You know, it's it's painful to watch some of his interviews after games and he's fighting, he is. And everyone I know at Reading speaks incredibly highly of him as a man. But for me, I think a change has to happen. Massive, massive game coming up against Peterborough on Wednesday. And for me, now would be the time to just, even if it's a couple of days, we need to look forward to that game, win that game and hopefully kick on for the rest of the season. But, you know, certainly for me, is is time's more than up. Uh, listen to that noise you can hear is Neil Warnock asking his wife, Sharon, how to email a CV to somebody <laughs> at Reading. Um, hang on a minute. It says here that Barnsley won a game. Uh, definitely right. Tykes <laughs> taking advantage of Reading, Derby and Peterborough all losing to move within five points of safety while simultaneously putting a dent in QPR's promotion push. Uh, Sam, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to talk about uh, your boys losing to the bottom side or, or just give some praise to, to Poyer, Asbargi and co. <laughs> Do you remember that year that Swindon were in the Premier League and they conceded over 100 goals? They beat QPR twice that season <laughs> and I went to both games. So I could have told you what the outcome of this fixture was going to be. QPR, who have scored in a record 22 consecutive away games, um, were always going to lose at Oakwell, I'm afraid. It's <laughs> typical QPR. I think the biggest subject uh, amongst the QPR supporters, obviously in the wake of this defeat and the two against Peterborough, where they were woeful, is, is Willock being unavailable. He's, they've scored 11 in their last seven and he's scored or assisted eight of them. I had a little look at his involvement when he plays with Chair. Prior to him going to the, the AFCON, they'd won nine out of uh, 10 QPR's victory had come with those two in tandem. So vitally important. And I just think, I wouldn't call them misfiring strikers, but I just think you can only go with one of them. And if Chair or Willock's available, you play them as a two behind or you play one of them and you, you reinforce the midfield with another body. I just don't think you can go with Gray, uh, Dykes, Chair, you know, two of them to start games. And I think, I think for this game, Mark Warburton's probably looked at it 
and felt we're playing the bottom side away from home. If I don't play two strikers with Willock unavailable, I'm going to come in for some flack. And I think it's just backfired because Barnsley in particular in midfield were excellent in this game. Speak about teams up and down the country that have improved during January. And I I called for, for calm on a, a different show I did the other day at Barnsley. Not that because they're going to get out of it, but, you know, Domingos Kina, Bassi coming in, um, Vita's been given some appearances from nowhere and all of a sudden they've produced a performance. So maybe Barnsley will improve, maybe not enough to stay in the division, but maybe their fortunes are looking up for the rest of the season. Uh, JB, you had the honour of watching the lunchtime kickoff between Huddersfield and, and Sheffield United. Finish goalless, but there was some controversy at least to uh, to talk about. Yeah, um, and one, to be fair, um, I wouldn't have minded missing. Uh, I've got to be honest, there weren't an awful lot uh, going on in the game. I was a little bit dis- disappointed with Sheffield United, having seen them recently in the form they've been in. Huddersfield were, Huddersfield, really difficult to break down. A lot of um, counter-attacking football. Uh, but yeah, they can certainly be uh, hard done by given, I felt, three decisions that went against them. The first one, which was a disallowed goal. Uh, John Russell, who was starting his first game, actually had a good good game, good physical presence, looked a real good threat in the air. He didn't do anything wrong. It was a, a set-piece corner, comes in, heads it back across. The real action was on the line. And George Bulldog, for me, seemed to have uh, pulled Danny Ward down and that should have been a penalty to Huddersfield. Ward falls over, bumps into Fotherington who goes down. The ball goes in and the ref gives a foul on the goalkeeper. So for me, you know, that was a a harsh one. There was also a foul, Jaden Bogle, again, um, on Russell. I thought there's a little tug back. And the biggest one for me was the penalty, um, second half on Pippa. Clear contact by not just one, maybe two Sheffield United uh, defenders in the box. And again, should have been a penalty. So in a game with not a lot of clear-cut opportunities, those little incidents, you know, um, for me, you need to get one of them to go and win the game. And unfortunately for Huddersfield, they didn't quite do that. Lee Nichols and goal was fantastic. He's proved to be a really, really good signing this season. Another clean sheet. That's 13 now, the same as Bournemouth to to lead the league for Huddersfield. And that's been a huge, huge improvement for them, given how many goals they conceded last season. Adrian? Yeah, I agree. Completely agree on, on the decision. So, so unlucky. It, it was really, really harsh. And then it could be, those two points might matter come the end of the season. They could be really, really crucial for, for Huddersfield Town. So, yeah, got to take it on the chin and, and, and keep this unbeaten run going, haven't they? 14. But on Lee Nichols, very, very impressive. Got to remember where he's come from. MK Dons didn't really want him. He couldn't get in the team last season. Left on a free. He's rocked up in the championship and earned the number one jersey with some outstanding performances. And statistically, I think he's, he's the second best keeper in the championship if, if you judge keepers on, on save ratios. So absolutely outstanding from him. And it just goes to show that as footballers, you should never get too downbeat if you're out of the team. Because one person's opinion is fair enough, but but someone else might might believe in you and your your ability in a different way and, and, and bring the best out of you. So so yeah, so just a reminder that just because you're on the bench or you're not in favour, it doesn't mean you're a bad player. You've just got to find the right place um, and take your opportunity when it comes elsewhere. And he's definitely done that. And it's, it's a really good story 
um, from Huddersfield who, yeah, just continue to, to impress. Yeah, they deserve to win this game, no doubt about it. Yeah, somebody else might have a different opinion or somebody else might get a high-profile move and then you get bumped up one. That's what worked for me on this podcast. <laughs> um, whilst you're there, Clarky, we're going to do uh, a midweek bet builder with Paddy Power. So you can kick us off with your first selection, please. Yeah, I'm going to go for uh, both teams to score bet in the championship. Uh, Cardiff and Coventry. Both teams are scoring goals, no doubt about that, but they're not in great nick when it comes to keeping Clean sheets, Coventry not as solid as they were earlier on in the season. We saw that at, at Reading and, and Cardiff, yeah, they struggled to keep consistent shutouts. So I think I think it's be a decent game. Could easily end up a, a score draw this one, but we'll just take both teams to to get on the score sheet, please. Producer Abby, what can you give us on that? Yep, so Paddy Power can't separate these teams either. More on that momentarily, but for the both teams to score, that's coming in at five to four on. As I say, Paddy Power can't separate these sides. Cardiff and Coventry are both 13 to eight to win this game and the draw coming in at nine to four. Lovely stuff. League One next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. In League One, Alex Neal is back. I am scared. Uh, speaking of Sunderland, how's this for kicking someone when they're down? Lee Johnson's been given a four-game touchline ban and a three-grand fine following his red card against Lincoln last month. Uh, on the pitch, Rotherham extended their lead at the top of the division to nine points after a 2-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday. Plymouth are back in the playoffs at Oxford's expense and it's as you were at the bottom with Wimbledon, just a point above the relegation zone. And that's where we're going to start. Sunderland then going for a gruff Celt as their new manager. But in the end, it was Alex Neal rather than Roy Keane who got the gig. He started life with a 1-1 draw against Wimbledon. What do you reckon, Sam? Was he was he the decent choice or should it have been Grant McCann like you and Adrian were saying on Thursday? I think pretty on par, really. Um, I liked Adrian's terminology last week to say that Grant McCann was match fit. I thought that was uh, good stuff to go into a gig and you can say something similar maybe about Alex Neal. Uh, similar character to Roy Keane, maybe slightly softer, but um, that's the impression that he, he gives us a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough right now because there's no confidence for, from the players. You know, uh, before that Wickham game, during that Wickham game, what, what a month or so ago, whatever it was, 3-3, we're pairing about the forward players. Seem to be playing with a lot more freedom. Um, they've dried up, Ross Stewart in particular. I think that's six without a goal for him. Um, but defensively, you know, that, that's where the issues are. Um, not so much in the, in this game, but he needs to make them more solid. He liked playing a back five, back three at, at Preston. So maybe I think that's something they he could look at moving forward. But just needs to just needs to reinvigorate that dressing room in terms of the confidence, put some more belief in the front players and I'm I'm sure they'll be okay, but at the moment it's a it's a tough period. Think he knows the league well enough, Clarkie? 
Oh, yeah, he's, he's well, he's been working, hasn't he? Um, on a sort of consultancy basis at, at Crew with his with his mate um, Dave Artell, hasn't he? I, I think I'm right in saying that. So, yeah, he's seen the league up close and personal. He's been advising them. So, it'd be interesting when, when they when they meet Crew Alexandra, of course. Um, so, no, it's not not a problem. He is a good manager. I, I like the fit with McCann because of the the style of play that they they had under Lee Johnson. I thought that. It might have been an, a, a, an easier transition, but Alex Neal isn't isn't that different. I think he would demand really a lot of hard work and high energy levels. He might get them pressing a little bit more moving forwards. But Sam's bang on. He's got he's he's just got to raise confidence levels. They they they're just a little bit in pieces at the moment. The players they're not. Dan Neal's a case in point. I saw him earlier in the season. He was sensational. He was he was taking the ball past players. Looked a wonderful all round central midfielder at the moment. Games are bypassing him, and, and, and that happens. Um, Alex Pritchard is probably the only player that's, that's in confident form at the moment, spanking free kicks in. And it'll be interesting to see what happens there because um, Alex Neal obviously rates Alex, uh, Alex Pritchard because he bought him for £8 million when he was a Norwich manager uh, all those years ago. So, so interesting reunion there. He talked, didn't he, after the game, Alex Neal, about having a lot of young players that were in their first full seasons in the first team football, and that they looked a little bit, little bit tired. Well, that is a that is a valid point. I think it can catch up with you, but there's no more. Win- there's no window, so he's he's got to find a way, hasn't he, to to sort of get get them going again. Um, yeah, interesting times for for Sunderland lie ahead. They did they didn't play well in this game. There was there was no new manager bounce. This was this was pretty mediocre. Wimbledon, if anything, shaded it. On Wimbledon, JB, the the old Wimbledon, your old club, of course, um, having a worse time at home than I did during lockdown one. Is the, is the new stadium <laughs> too nice for them? You know, the opposition teams love going to this lovely new plough lane with its fantastic facilities. It's not very Wimbledon, is it? Say something no. about cold showers, Matt. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a really important point. Now, I think particularly, uh, you know, when you are going away from home, you know, having a a nice stadium, brand new, nice facilities to go into. It, it does, it does make a difference. And I think certainly that has been an issue for them. I've got to be honest, I thought, I was hoping for a little bit more from Wimbledon this season. I think they have some really good young players, a very young squad. I think ultimately over the course of a season, sometimes that can catch up with you a little bit. And maybe that's sort of, for me, led to where they are, that bit of, lack of know-how and experience just at key times in games you know to get themselves over the line there is no doubt they have got some really good players but yeah again for them it's a very similar story to what they've seen over the last few years and um, maybe a little injection of experience um, could help them certainly moving forward I think they've got a big battle on their hands to stay up as it is uh, but hopefully um, they can do it. Adrian? It was really interesting to see that he picked so many attacking players in this game because Sunderland, tough game, but but was he looking to to sort of prey on any weakness there? And also, I think from Wimbledon's point of view, they've not scored enough goals, have they? I think in 10 of 16 home games, one goal or zero goals has been the out, output from them inside the final third. So what he did in this game, he played Rudoni and McCormick in a midfield three and had Asal and Chislett ahead of them and Cosgrave up top. So it's a really bold team by Mark Robinson's standards. 
and and it probably was a little bit better. They they, they got at Sunderland, but that that's at the crux of it because they're hard to beat. They've lost the same amount of games at home as MK Dons, who are third. So it's not like they they get carved open very often. It's just it's just pressing home that advantage and and finding the the, the killer touch. That's what's eluded them this season. Yeah, just a point above the relegation zone. Uh, elsewhere, the standard 3-2 result at the Kassam Stadium, but this time with a twist as Oxford came out on the wrong side of the five-goal thriller against resurgent Bolton. I say resurgent Bolton, Joby. I, I'm never quite sure where we're at with them because one minute they're in crisis, all of a sudden they're seven unbeaten. Uh, they <laughs> seem like a wildly inconsistent side. It must be kind of thrilling and maddening in equal measure to be following them this season. Yeah, a lot of ups and downs, obviously a very promising start to the season. And I think probably that, yeah, bounce, I suppose, from from coming up and, and that excitement and then found it difficult. But I think certainly, you know, you look at the run they're on now, um, you know, last seven games, they've won six, drawn one, you know, 19 points out of 21 is amazing. Probably come out of nowhere, it's probably surprised Ian ever a little bit. Um, but I think in terms of the game itself, it was a fantastic advert I suppose for, for League One two teams that want to go out and, and play really good open attractive football um, again for both teams possibly could be an Achilles heel the fact that they are so willing to be open and and that leaves obviously space as you saw it with uh, the, the winning goal certainly from, from Bolton's point of view late on in the game Oxford getting exposed really you know in a position they shouldn't have done and you know, you touched on how many goals they've conceded, you know, two, I think in eight, I think it is in the last, or seven in the last eight games, they've conceded two goals. And you can't always think you're going to be getting on the wrong, the right side of that. It will catch you up at, at some point. And I think certainly for Carl Robinson, you know, that would be a little bit of a concern for me and something they need to adjust if they're going to go get back in the playoffs and, and stay in there. Uh, Sam, Here's our tweet of the week for you to dissect for us. It's a two-parter <laughs> from the match winner, Amadou Bakayoko. Uh, here's part one. The boys, applause emoji, space, comma, massive result. We go again, exclamation mark. Amazing support as always. Blue heart emoji at official BWFC. It's pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah, it's no good, is it? No okay. good. What we go again is... We go again... Just dreadful, isn't it? Go on. <laughs> we go again because we're in a good moment. Follow-up, though, I quite like. P.S. Seeing some negative tweets about me, which ain't nice to see, but each to their own opinion, I guess. Let's keep it positive. Praise emoji, smiley face emoji. Yeah, that, that's better. He should be feeling good this morning because there's a video doing the rounds of Coventry and Bolton fans singing his name. Coventry were at Reading, weren't they? So they must have met somewhere on the, the railway link line and um they've sung his name they probably had to change somewhere so it's probably only a brief little meeting wasn't it but um they were singing a very nice uh, song about bakioko so he should enjoy his goal on his weekend i'm sure all the passengers on that train who have absolutely no interest <laughs> in football <laughs> going to very... didcot yeah you're gutted <laughs> shopping <laughs> uh adrian poor billy bowden you'd have been in his position before i'm sure where you score a great goal and nobody remembers it because you end up losing the game <laughs> yeah I lost a lot of games um, yeah <laughs> no you're right and, and I love a left footer I love a left footer for obvious reasons that was my thing and um, yeah two great goals weren't they beauties first one was use the wind to, absolutely to his advantage didn't he um, four goals three assists now in his last eight 
and he he wasn't a regular, was he, Billy Bowden? So I, I know he was he was out for a while, but um, yeah, in at number ten, playing in behind Taylor, I think he's he's doing a great job. But I'm, I'm totally with Joby. I, I really really like Oxford, but until they manage games better and until they sort of yeah become a bit more streetwise, I can't consider them as genuine promotion candidates. I just can't because when you come up against the best teams, you need. You need to be a bit more solid and, and they're just not. Never mind that, Clarkie. Here's cool. one for you. Has there ever been a better father-son-left-foot combination? So his dad, oh. Paul X Swindon, right? Wales International. That's a good shout, isn't it? That's a good shout. Yeah. Um, Tweet us at the Totally Show. You yeah, can think of yeah, a better one. Yeah. Yeah, we go Basically, some. my sons are going to be very average with both feet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'm, well, both my sons, I've got two sons, they're both right-footed, so which is a massive uh, disappointment. I just don't understand it. It's, <laughs> it's freaking me out a little bit. But there you jo- go. Joby, are you pushing your boys into football there any good? Uh, not pushing, but my youngest, who's six, is absolutely mad for it. So uh, I've got him working on his weaker foot. He's got to be both-footed <laughs> these days. I, I don't yeah. like these players that say I'm only left-footed or, or right-footed. That's so... 1995, man. <laughs> well, this is making me feel incredibly inadequate as I can't get my three-year-old to do anything but pick the ball up. He absolutely <laughs> refuses to <laughs> kick it. Uh, well, I get myself together. We'll have another break and speak League Two next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. In League Two, a huge win for managerless Walsall against promotion hopefuls Tranmere. Bradford fans continue to get restless over Derek Adams. More on that imminently. Sutton held FGR to a 1-1 draw, but Sutton slipped to fifth. And at the bottom, Oldham drew 3-0 with Newport. Carlisle also shared the points against Colchester. Scunthorpe were the only side in the bottom eight not to pick up anything, so they continue to prop up the EFL. And Crawley boss John Yems was in vintage form on Saturday. Could you maybe highlight some of the things maybe we were lacking in the no. performance today? No. Uh, right, before we talk about Bradford and Exeter, Joby, Leighton Orient, it's not looking great. No wins in 2022. Uh, how do you explain this? How do they reverse it? Oh, um, cheers for that one, by the way, <laughs> Matt. Uh, disappointing times. I've got to be honest, I was, again, you know, after a, a pretty promising start to the season, thinking this was a year that I certainly would expect them to be at least in and around the playoffs. They're in a real, as you say, dreadful run now. Um, goal scoring has been a real issue for them. You know, there were injuries to key players, Tom James and Theo Archibald, who were massive part of creating goals. And then they had the strikers finishing them off. But, you know, with those injuries, slight little changes to formations, there's been, again, a bit of rumbling in the crowd of the style of football which is, again, very interesting because under previous regimes, there might have been a thought that we played too much football and we're a little bit too open. And now that Kenny Jackett's doing what Kenny Jackett does, 
and it's not working. There's obviously opposition to that. But yeah, real sticky times. What I will say is a manager who's been through as much as Kenny Jacket, I don't think he's going to be getting flustered. Certainly not seeing his post-match interviews. But I know for a fact that the club and the people behind the club are expecting that team, you know, given the restructuring and the rebuild that was done in the summer and the finance that's gone into that, you know, to be pushing, as I say, for the very least to get in those playoffs. And um, managers have let, been let go recently for a lot less than that. That's all I'll say. I'll leave it on that note. Will we be rolling out the no jacket required line if he does get the sack? Almost certainly. Uh, let's talk about Derek Adams for now, another League Two manager underwhelming the people he's supposed to be entertaining. His Bradford side beaten 1 0 at home by Exeter at the weekend. Asked about his future, he said post match, if City are going to get a new manager in, they're not going to get one as successful as myself. That's quite the flex, Clarky, for, for a guy <laughs> yeah. who's in, in charge of a team who should be at the top of League Two and instead are in 11th. He, he, he likes to be quite aggressive, doesn't he, in his interviews? He's he's pretty feisty and he, he hammers his own fans. I remember him doing it. I remember talking about it on this show years ago when he was at Plymouth, battering the, the their own support. And it didn't end well. Um, didn't wasn't at Morecambe long enough, really, to to fall out with the fans there. But but it feels like that's happening at, at Valley Parade. Only four wins from fifteen, so you can understand why they're a little bit grumpy. The the locals. Um, he is a good manager, and I do think that they're not that far away. Haven't been battered by anybody. That if you look at their xG for and against, it's pretty good. It's it's playoff level. So you've got to look at individual mistakes and poor finishing and, and, and also maybe the absence of Lee Angle, who, who was a key man earlier on in the season. But but yeah, it's just just zero consistency. No back-to-back wins since since August. And and yeah, if you're going to be calling out the fans, it's a, it's a risky old manoeuvre. One other thing I just wanted to bring up um, before I let the other guys go at it is on the loan signings. He brought in six. In January, I don't know what Joby thinks of that, but or Sam. I mean, when you've got a couple of loanies, I think it's nice because you it's fresh faces. They're excited to be somewhere different. But you've got six, and if a lot of them are in your starting eleven, they don't belong to you. They're not invested in it in the same way. I don't think that's ideal. I think that's that's overkill. I'd be interested to hear what the guys' thoughts are on that. Well, I think both windows in the summer, he was very very much backed and they went and recruited I felt really really well um for 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 league two level for sure you know players that can go and and perform well and again he's been backed with those transfers you know albeit loans he obviously feels that they needed an injection and just coming back to your point Clark about that home form I think that's been the big issue and I think because there's such a big club at this level you know there is naturally going to be that expectation you know, I think it's one win in the last 10 at home. And we're not talking about a small club. I was looking through the average attendance is 15,000, you know, at Bradford is is huge. The next biggest Swindon at nine, uh, Bristol Rovers is six. So that just shows, I think, the scale of the club. And with that, fans are expecting a certain level of performance and they're expecting you to win games at home and they haven't done that. So I certainly would probably go about it slightly different. I wouldn't be calling fans out. Certainly not. I'd be trying to get them on board. But that is just what he does. I think that was clear when he went in there. You know, he did absolutely wonderful job at Morecambe, you know. And unfortunately for him, he hasn't quite been able to pull that off. But 
Um, certainly a team that should be a lot higher up in the table given you know the squad and the resources that they've got. Firstly, I, I enjoyed, um, uh, I think it was a local journal calling it a 1-0 mauling at the, <laughs> the weekend at the hands of Exeter, which I thought was a nice uh, bit of terminology. I, I don't know if it's too simplistic, but Morecambe obviously spent a lot of time without the ball and counter-attacked brilliantly at Cole Stockton. And I think the expectation of the supporters is going to be more than that at Bradford. And it's the third lowest possession this season, but yet still are creating chances as, as Clarkie rightly points out. So I don't know if this is a, a longer job that's necessary for Derek Adams. People are going to look at the size of the club and look at the type of player they're able to get, the type of gates they're going to get and think this can be a quick fix. And immediately with a good manager, they can get promoted this year. It may take a little bit of time and that's probably not what the supporters want to hear, but Derek Adams may have to show that he's got a bit more tactical acumen and be a bit more flexible over a longer period to turn things around at Bradford. I don't think it's going to happen this year. One other thing that, that's in their favour, potentially, <laughs> not given the stats so far, but but it's kind of still in their hands. They're only eight points off the playoffs. They're having a bad season in their own eyes. Eight points is retrievable. And I'm looking at the fixtures. They've got the teams that are currently sixth, seventh, eighth and ninth, all at home, all at Valley Parade. So... If they can find a formula and and stop allowing games to fizzle out, then then yeah, they, they've got it within their grasp to to close that gap potentially and take points off their rivals. But but yeah, they're going to have to improve the mood, aren't they, around the ground? I think it's sometimes because I think Sam's right about they don't have much of the ball, which isn't what the fans want to see. But I think more so, they want to see a bit more fight, a bit more fire in the bellies of the players. Bit more hard graft, running through brick walls for the for the badge for the manager. That's not what they're seeing. Too many matches are just fading away. They're scoring once, not getting the second. It's yeah, that that's the missing ingredient. Do they want to play for the manager? That's you know that we'll find out over the coming weeks. I'll give the final word on Bradford to the Athletics' Katie Wyatt, who is a Bantam superfan. She tweeted during the game, this is like watching people build Lego without instructions and or the knowledge that you can get the booklets for every set online on Lego's archive. Uh, like that a lot. Well done to Exeter, by the way. Third win in a row, and they are within touching distance of the automatic places now. Uh, let's round off this bet builder then with the help of Paddy Power and producer Abby. Joby, your pick comes from League One. Yeah, and I'm going to go for a, a Bolton away win against Burton. Uh, Burton are not on a great one run at home. I think only one win in their last five. We've touched on Bolton and the fantastic form that they've been in of late. Absolutely flying um, right up there in terms of the form table. So for me, yeah, I'm going for a, a Bolton away win. All right, my pick is from League One as well. I'm going to have Wigan minus one to beat Crew. So on the handicap, they, they have to win by two goals, essentially. My, my reasoning for this is not as detailed as Joby. Uh, one team's second, the other's 23rd. Uh, Sam, your pick comes from, from League Two. What is it, please? I, I, can't do, I really can't do any more for you here. Bristol Rovers, Sutton United, under 2.5 goals. Last six each, 12 games. Uh, 10 would fall into this category under 2.5. Sutton's last six games, under 2.5. Played out a 1-1 in February. There you go. Clark, he's nodding his head agreeably and he's our betting what? expert. So that's... Uh... <laughs> so called. But the, <laughs> they've played each other a few times this season already. Uh, and I think when you've, like in cups and stuff, when you've played, uh, when you have that familiarity, 
it often leads to um, really cagey games. So I think Sam's on to something. Happy, let's get some odds on those, please. Yeah, we'll start off with uh, JB's selection. Uh, Bolton, the slight favourites to beat Burton. That's six to four. Uh, the Wigan, hefty favourites to beat Crewe. So the handicap of minus one coming in at 11 to 10 is looking like it's potentially going to have some good value in there, Matt. And to round off with Sam's selection, Bristol Rovers against Sutton under two and a half goals comes in at six to 10. That means all of that altogether comes in at 14 to one. Tasty. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All right, before we go, after Joe Worrell went in goal and given that it's Valentine's Day, I just want to know something else that you just love to see at a football game. Um, Joby, you're up first. Yeah, I'm going to stick with a Valentine's Day theme, Matt, and I'm going old school streaker. I remember... Maybe an FA Cup final at Wembley on a nice hot balmy day or a World Cup game somewhere in the world in the summer. But a proper streaker. I mean, like man or woman, but, you know, completely starkers running on the pitch. Crowd have a lovely little bit of a way. Police officer runs on trying to cover up their modesty with a, a hat or something similar. But that's all they're on for. Just straight on, quick bit of laugh and then off. Not like some of these ones now that are trying to dodge security guards and hold the game up for 10 minutes. We don't want to see any of them. So, yeah, old school, old school streaker for me. And it's even better when when the person chasing slips over or, or the streaker themselves. That, bonus points for that, obviously. <laughs> Other than that, Clarky, what's tickling you fancy? Uh, what do I love? I mean, so many things. Um, I love to see refs trip up. I think that's that's always funny, isn't it? <laughs> you always get you always get a, a little tickle, and and and, and yeah, it, I don't know. As as a player, the thing that that always cracked me up, or always always just gave us a really good laugh, was you know when you're in the circles, you do, what they call them these days rondos or whatever. No, they, rondos, rondos, yeah. yeah. You used to just call them a circle when you did a nutmeg, and you have to stay in for a second time, and then someone megs them again, they get the second one. Everyone normally collapses. Yeah, they, they just, I, yeah. I, I don't miss playing that much, but I miss sort of having a laugh like that. That that, that was always great fun. Sam, that will never have happened to you, obviously. Um, what have you picked for us? Oh, I was dre- dreadful in a circle. I can't defend to save my life. <laughs> um, this is, uh, I'm going very 80s again, and I'll, I'll change the, uh, the name here for comic purposes. But uh, I used to love, and I, I clearly remember this, maybe nobody else will, but being at QPR... And the uh, Tannoy announcer going, uh, could a Mr. Parkin sat in the Lofters Road stand, please go home now. Your wife has gone into labour. <laughs> Everyone yeah. used to love that. Classic stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then you might get some wag behind saying, oh, not only is he going to miss the second half, he's going to have to make his own tea when he gets home as well. Yeah. <laughs> All those favourites. Um, I'm going to go for another, what feels like an old school classic. Maybe, maybe apropos, given things that have happened uh, in the last week. Shall I prefix this with, and I'm an animal lover, by the way, as everybody else has made it. Um, quite simply, dog on the pitch. You've never seen people lose their minds as much as when a random dog comes onto a football pitch. It's about as happy as I think I've ever seen people inside a football stadium. Again, Clarky, you're right. If somebody trying to apprehend them slips while they're doing it and, you know, the dog maybe, I don't know, lays a turd on the pitch or something, all the better. But yeah, dog on the pitch. Cannot beat it. Uh, what a way that is to end 
today's podcast. Many thanks to Joby, to Adrian, to Sam and to Abby. Mainly to you though, listener, for joining us. We'll be back on Thursday when we'll be rounding up all that midweek action and looking ahead to the big matches ahead next weekend. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.